Hey, welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Pua. Um, you know, you can always catch us on our media outlets. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify now with video. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you go to Instagram, you can find um, our basically our link in our bio that sends you to all of our different outlets. But um, also, if you're on Insta, you can check out all of our you know different posts um, as well as our podcast. So we, you know, we've published uh, quite a bit of uh, personal content on there. Um, you know, for example, this weekend on Saturday, we you know posted up our top three favorite video games. It kind of you know took both of us back in time a little bit. I mean, anywhere from youth to teen years to high school and beyond. It was just kind of a a way to share with our our followers and friends. You know, the games that we loved growing up. And uh, I mean, I guess to kick it off, Wayne, uh, when you're putting together your list, I know we both did three, but um, mm-hmm. you want to just run through, you know, some of the games you put on there and, you know, why you pick them. Yeah. My three were uh, fight night, uh, 2004, uh, Tony Hawk pro skater uh, and ESPN's uh, or the NFL 2k five uh, with Terrell Owens on the front cover there. Um, those are my favorite, uh, fight night. Uh, just, I, I think that was just like the best, in my opinion, like was like the best, uh, like controls to, to what was happening on the screen, um, game, uh, sports game, uh, like of all time, in my opinion, like the whole analogs, being able to utilize those to like, all right, you know, you can move the torso, move the upper body and it's just the upper body. You don't have to worry about the legs or anything like that. um like that whole experience was beautiful and i think like a lot of the other um a lot of the other uh, sports franchises kind of copied off that so uh i think that that's the best had a great soundtrack some of the you know uh it made me like i i really wasn't into boxing then and all of a sudden like i played it and i was like this is the greatest thing ever (laughs) and like i started watching youtube videos because of that um you know of like Arturo Gotti and like Manny Pacquiao. Like I had no idea who Manny Pacquiao was actually before until I played that game. It was like, oh, he's part of the, like the Filipino community. He's like a really big deal. So uh definitely got me more interested in that. Um, more so. And so uh, I would say that's probably my favorite in terms of uh sentiment and then ov- overall play. Um, you know, my favorite uh, boxing game uh out there. Um and then uh Tony Hawk's pro skater. Oh man, uh, yeah, so yeah. many good memories of like the soundtrack, and then just you know, uh, just a lot of good vibes, man. A lot of good vibes, <laughs> yeah. uh, from that game. Um, like I think I played it to like three or four, and I was like, okay, maybe that been enough, but you know, just uh, kind of like with the whole boxing thing, it was like, oh, you know, I know who Bob Burnquist is all of a sudden, like, some you know, real life watching on the on ESPN and, and, you know, Sean White too, before he was like, you know, this, what he is now. So, you know, he really got me into uh, all those things uh, more so. Um, so, and uh, yeah, the gameplay was just fun. It's like, okay, I can land a 900 anytime, any day now. <laughs> so, and then with regards to NFL 2K, it's like, you know, I, 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 the gameplay is uh, beats Madden like so much. I felt like anything I could produce now, uh, the gameplay was just so much better. Um, even the franchise mode, like the NFL draft and, and kind of creating your own team, like it was, it was I felt it was, it's a lot more realistic. Um, just 
just again the gameplay like i i would always play defensive end and you know that was always a fun time i think i always got like 30 uh sacks in like in a season so really really good um uh that was probably my favorite game even though i still buy madden to this day i think it's nfl 2k is my favorite um uh uh football game by far so um with with uh honorable mention i forgot which madden was but i know there was a madden out there where you can be like a movie actor or, or like do commercials on top of like uh you know play actually play football so um yeah so those are my picks uh of my, those are my top three so uh that i have but would love to hear on your top three yeah um yeah i guess i was um a madden guy and uh I mean, my, my, like council, like progression stopped at PS2. So like, I didn't have any sort of game council past PS2. And mm -hmm. I always remember, like, remember going over to my friend's house, going to sleepovers. And I knew, I think at the time he had maybe, maybe PlayStation or possibly PlayStation 2 at that time. And that's kind of how I, you know, basically convinced my dad and saved up some money and, and got one of my, of my own, but uh, just really fun to like, you know, create teams, you know, simulate seasons, uh, you know, go past a year or two or three and just kind of keep building on a team. Like I always love to play, you know, in, in some sort of GM mode with whatever, whatever sort of sports game I ever played in. So for me, it was almost always about like roster construction or player development in a way, um, you know, whether you're drafting a rookie or creating your own players and like that, I always kind of found that to be pretty fun. But uh, yeah, just at sleepovers too, like just to, you know, basically cheat and pick the falcons and be michael vick and like oh four oh five like he was basically you know a running back wide receiver in agility and then he was like one of the best you know passing quarterbacks in that game so it's kind of like unfair if anybody ever picked the falcons um i also remember like the greatest show on turf uh, rams were also like pretty dominant in like the early 2000s on that game so if you ever you know those teams uh you always you know got somewhat of an edge um but yeah, just a great game. Also played with my brother a lot as well. Um, the other game on my list, it, it took me back, I guess, going into like my teen years and I had N64, but uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest is like seriously one of my favorite games of all time, period. I just think that uh, you have Dave Niehaus, who is like the former, you know, Mariners announcer. He just, you know, he would say, you know, anytime there's a grand slam, he'd basically say, uh, you know, get out the mustard and rye bread. Grab all it's grand salami time. My oh my. And you just have like all these great uh sayings throughout the game. So it was just like over the top uh, you know, uh, corny or, or what have you, but it just kind of like brought you into the game, brought you into like, you know, early 90s Mariners type mindset. And uh, you know, when they were good in the early 90s, um, you have to go back and watch any Griffey clips on YouTube. You always have Dave Neal's kind of, you know, being more of the you know, part of the clip than the actual players were. So it's kind of fun for that reason. But uh, I also just thought it was kind of like maybe the start of GM mode for any sort of baseball games too, because um, prior to that, I mean, I tried to think back to other games I played. I played like RBI baseball, 93, 94 on Sega Genesis. And it's just like you played one game with two teams and it was over versus like Slugfest that you could track like an entire year with one team and like, make trades and like build your own team. And like, it was kind of a forward thinking, I guess, for its time, like in those years, which I would say is around like 97, 98, 99 or so. But uh, 
I think there were two Griffey games that came out, Slugfest games that came out, and uh, yeah, I had both of them, both of them on N64, but a ton of, ton of fun to, to play on my own or with friends or family and stuff like that, too. Um, and then the last game on my list is like an arcade classic. Uh, if, you, if you never played, if you're too young to have played NBA Jam, I just like seriously feel so sorry for you because <laughs> on uh, Super NES and Sega Genesis, like, that game was awesome. I mean, I had both of those systems, but uh, that game was even fun in high school. So, like, even when Grand Theft Auto 3 was really big and people were all over Madden and all this other stuff, like, I still had my old council, like, up in my bedroom. So, like, I would just, like, have people hang out who would just play, you know, NBA Jam upstairs or something. It was pretty fun. But uh, I was always the Portland Trailblazers, uh, like, early 90s, but they had Drexler, uh, Terry Porter and Uncle Cliff and like before three and D was really a thing like these three players were like the best trio I thought in the game whenever I played you know friends and stuff because I could always switch them at the three-point line and it didn't really matter I'd always get threes out of all three of them and uh, Uncle Cliff for a little height and then if I was down big I'd just go to the Porter Drexler combo and it was always great but uh that game's even fun today, like if you ever go to Chicago to like headquarters or, you know, if you find some sort of like arcade bar or barcade, whatever they want to call it these days, you always have NBA Jam there and like seriously pay the full fare for that $10 beer. It's like if you could just play NBA Jam and some of these other games and like you're good. But uh, I did have one other special mention and it is kind of two games, but they're the exact same concept. But uh, I'm going to give a shout out to NHL Hits and NFL blitz. And like, again, if you're at barcade, you got 10 bucks to spend on a Porter, go ahead and do it because that, that game is just like pure fun. Like it has, it has no GM mode. It is just you and an opponent, like probably a good friend, just setting up two teams and just playing that for like an hour. And, uh, NHL hits is kind of funny because I lived, uh, in Lakeview, um, one of my last years at DePaul, and uh, my roommate at the time actually brought his PS2 games because we had a PS2 we were all sharing. But uh, he brought NHL hits, and I never, I'd never played NHL hits, so I had no idea what it was. But I knew Blitz, so we just, you know, that was kind of our thing. Like we didn't, we didn't do a whole lot else together, but we did play NHL hits almost like once or twice a week at night um, in between studies. But uh, there's actually a like a fight mode in hits where, you know you're already killing each other on the ice during gameplay, but then like you can just drop your rackets and play like street fighter. And you just like two guys beating the crap out of each other. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like two games in one, but uh, anyways, that's my list. Uh, Wayne, what do you think? No, th- those are great. Those are great. Uh, yeah. And uh, any, yeah, the hits and everything. That was, that was always a fun one. Um, I, I do remember, uh, man, there's so many crazy games out there. Uh, not, you just got me thinking of like all the, messed up like controversial ones uh i i know i mean there was like uh nfl and you mentioned like nfl blitz right what was that one there was like another video game uh like football video game where uh you can like send hookers over to like the other teams uh to the other team and then that would like decrease like there's some crazy i'm trying to find out what it was but you're talking about these <laughs> what things. is this game but no like it's like a game like that you like takes inject steroids into yourself like before the game and then you get like a boost 
Um, it was it was a terrible game. Like you know, it sounds terrible, but it was a pretty terrible game. But you got me thinking about all that. Um, yeah. So, but no, I I, I think with regards, my mind's going over the place now with all these games. But I I do remember you were talking about um, kind of like how those early games were like starting franchise modes and all that. And it's like I feel like now because of that, you know, because of NFL Madden, NFL, you know, NBA 2K and all and like GM modes. I feel like everybody feels like it's easy to win in these professional leagues, easy to easy to trade a player or like, you know, uh, like figure out all these things like, oh, well, why don't we just trade for Damian Lillard? Like, it's not that hard, right? Um, you know, it's definitely made. I feel like the fans are very much like I can do this job. And and then, the, you know, they complain about what the product is out there. So. Uh, but I, I I think the games have got are great. You know, I think it's gotten everybody involved overall, like got them more engaged, introduced, uh, you know, a lot of players uh, and, and people to, you know, audiences that probably would not have interacted with all, all of them. Um, and then also understand like all the nuances for all the games. I remember actually I played with my younger sister, uh, NFL, uh, NCAA, no, was it NCAA football? I think like 2006 or something like that. And um, yeah, actually, she got to understand all the all the all the football roles because of that. Um, like knew who Tim Tebow was, like all that. And uh, I think uh, I think her husband thanks me every day because of that. So <laughs> uh, she, she, I, th- I think I think the cool part she she was actually able to do was like create her own school, create her own college, and then like modify the colors. And of course, the colors were very, very vibrant compared to like maybe some other, uh, you know, football teams out there. So it was, but it was a nice bonding time for me and my sister. It was also a great way for you know me to teach her without like having to be like, oh no, you gotta do this and do that too. So, um, but yeah, I love your selection. NBA Jam's a classic. Uh, I think my my team was the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Barkley was always by Dan Marley and uh, Kate kj like those are my people over there so yeah that's a that's a good trio um i mean yeah i i played that game religiously and there were a lot of other good teams as well kind of funny that uh i think jordan had the rights to his name back in the day or something like that but like jordan's not a part of it and it's like frustrating because he also wasn't part of like at the nba live set you know back in back in like the genesis days or whatever so it's kind of like you always had to play with like 99 like roster was like the name of the jordan character or whatever so it's like frustrating but uh yeah he's not an nba jam but uh game's still great without him yeah no it's i i i think it's because he can't own the game i think that was his little thing like (laughs) if he just if he if he was like oh i can own the game yeah let's do that that's that's totally fine then great but i don't think he ever wanted to like create his own game or own the game and yeah yeah yeah. but uh i mean I don't know if you watched uh, the you know the last couple of games of this finals, but uh, looks like you know the Warriors have gone you know NBA Jam somewhat on on the Celtics lately, and uh, you know starting to rain some trays and uh, you know starting yeah. to pull away a little bit um, in these games and in the series overall. But uh, yeah. you know we're recording on Wednesday night, so um, you know by tomorrow Thursday uh, Game Six will happen. But uh, I guess as we were through Game Five. You know, what are some of your takeaways so far from, you know, the NBA finals and uh, like, what are you kind of predicting over the next game or possibly two? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the Celtics know what the issue is and it's not necessarily insurmountable. That being said, um, you know, 
I think I initially picked the uh, the Warriors, and I think I said six. So, in a way, this is like I had to just like you know own up to what I predicted or whatever. So I I think that the Warriors will still prevail in six. Um, I think the biggest issue with the Celtics uh, is that is turnovers right now, and then I, I think I saw some old, bunch of like diagrams coming all around uh, talking about how. Tatum and Brown can't go left or that, you know, their percentages have just gone down in terms of shooting and scoring uh, with the Warriors essentially just forcing them left. So if that's the case, then it's like, well, you know, how are they going to counteract that? And um, I think in the fourth quarter, oftentimes they uh, both Tatum and Brown have just been playing hero ball and not passing, not, you know, passing the the, the, the ball around and uh, creating those rotations or making the Warriors rotate. Um, you know, that being said, the Warriors have been playing really great defense there and just have been stopping them. So uh, that and hey, you know, you also got to give credit to the uh, to the Warriors, like with Clay Thompson, he's stepped it up. Um, you know, had a really uh, great game defensively, too. Um, and then there's also Wiggins who just showed up. He's like oh, a lot of people are like he's probably the MVP. Like, <laughs> You know, that being said, you know, I think you still got to give it a staff overall, but. Um, just the overall impact that Steph has had, but you got to admit, uh, Wiggins is probably like without Wiggins, like guarding Tatum, slowing him down, and kind of being that perimeter d- defensive player, uh, being a stable scorer. Um, didn't really shoot that well from the three point line last game, but you know, uh, was was there in the putbacks, was there in driving the ball, uh, showed the mid range game too, and was able to score against Tatum. So it's like, you know, uh, there were so many different uh things that that they've been trying to do with the Celtics have been trying to do to stop Curry now um, so much so that it seems like it's just four and four now. And, you know, in this case uh, with, uh, with Wiggins out there, he's just been taking the ball when, when, whenever they do that. So um, I do think that uh, the, the one cool thing that the Warriors have been doing is that they've been uh, doing kind of a switcheroo up on the top of the, on top of the key with both uh, Curry and, and Clay Thompson so that, uh, Curry will drive, will get all the attention basically on the top of the key, and then uh, everybody goes over him, and then but then they forget about Clay Thompson going the opposite way, and then he's he's been uh, kind of like wide open. I think that happened a couple times uh, this previous game, so I I really like like that play. But yeah, uh, turnovers have been bad for the Celtics. They really need to get over that. Uh, I think uh, I think I read a statistic that Tatum is the most turnovers in, in, in any NBA finals ever. So it's like something needs to change there, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, they just need to stop playing here about make, you know, the, the Celtics have their, the role players have showed up. So it's like, you know, you got to win as a team in this sense. Uh, Cause they're really trying to take out Brown and Tatum, getting them to pass the ball. So if that's the case, then you, you got to play that team basketball. So, um, but what are you? What's your take? What are your thoughts? And then, yeah, who do you think? You think the Warriors are still going to pull it off? Because I know you wanted them to, or you were kind of predicting them to, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I had the same prediction as you as far as the finals went. Um, even at the outset, we were both doing our, um, you know, initial takes from the first round. I think we both had the Warriors winning it all in six, um, regardless of opponent. And I think we also put a stamp on it for this finals once we knew the Celtics were, you know, the team they'd play. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's starting with Boston with the turnovers, it seems like, you know, uh, I think they have like the most in the NBA playoffs or something of the sort, uh, just in pure totals or something. So it seems like 
kind of funny because they're such a disciplined team. They play such, you know, good team defense, obviously. Um, looks like they move the ball really well. They're very well coordinated together. Um, but it's just funny that, like, the turnovers seem to, like, stand out because so, they haven't, stu- you know, stood out to me until this last game. Um, but, you know, like you're saying, I mean, to me, this is more about the Warriors than it is about, like, the Celtics' shortcomings to me because, you know, Warriors are just kind of kicking into high gear. Um, I mean, that game uh, for which is such a momentum killer for the Celtics and was just like everything the Warriors needed. They needed obviously to win that game, to not fall to three and, you know, go down three, one and, you know, not, uh, you know, kind of have their backs against their wall going home. Um, but like Curry just put that team on his back and showed out in game four and he put up the 43 spot and it was more than 43 points in my eyes. It was just, you know, he was all the confidence. He was all, of the momentum. I mean, they put all of their weight onto Steph in that game. Um, you know, Draymond was looking pretty, pretty poor uh, in that first, you know, half of games that we've, you know, played so far in the series. So it was kind of like they're looking for some sort of answer and, and Curry was all that and more. So, you know, I know we go into game five and, you know, Curry, you know, puts up a 16 spot, didn't score any threes for like the first time in his whole life. Uh, but, you know, it's just, I guess to me, it's like he's the straw that stirs the drink always. He's always the one. He's the catalyst starting everything. You know, if I was the Celtics, I was the best defensive team in the league in the regular season. I'd be placing so many more resources on him, which is, you know, what they did. But it's just like, I think the world, uh, you know, the sports media world can get kind of uh, quick to turn on somebody after (laughs) such a star-like performance. And it's just like, it kind of gets at me at times because I'm like, you know, they're kind of now trying to like dog him again. Like, you know, would an MVP of a final series, you like really have a game like that. And it's just like, God, like, what do you want the guy to do? I mean, like, <laughs> did he not win the basketball game for him? Number one. Yes, he did. In the same sense, it's like, yeah, if, if more resources are going to be placed on Steph, not only is he going to give up shots like he, you know, had for, uh, for Jordan Poole, for Peyton. I saw a couple of like deferral type plays from Steph, which just shows maturity, but it's just like, you know, he's allowed to have a bad day. He's allowed to have a bad shooting game for like the first time in his career. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like people just want to nitpick him, you know, to an, you know, like a, you know, endless point. And it, it also goes along with Tatum. They're like, you know, basically saying, you know, on the flip side with Tatum, they're like, you know, he maybe just, just be a star, but I don't see him as being like a superstar. And it's just like, this kid's like 24, 25 and he's gotten his teams of finals. He's, an all NBA player. He's, you know, considered for all defense. I mean, his metrics are off the, off the charts. It's just like, what's a superstar to these guys. So I don't know. I get, I get kind of annoyed when I listen to the the post game talk and maybe I should just stop doing that or whatever. But, um, you know, to me, it's just like, I think the warriors, um, I think they just have come to know that like they're the superior team and they're the more mature team and the more determined team in this scenario. I mean, they have more pressure on them. They have more to lose if they, you know, happen to lose this series. If the Celtics lose this series, I think they walk away from this season. Everybody gives them a big pat in the back, gives them way more respect than they've ever deserved. I mean, almost like a Phoenix Sun situation from last year. But it's just like nobody's, nobody's, I don't know. Um, nobody's gonna be shocked, you know, completely if they happen to like fall in this series. So I think like this is the building block here for Boston to be like legitimate contenders. 
they may be back next year. Like we may see them back in the finals next year, but I just feel like it is the Warriors time. And I think once they cut that rotation down to seven and just kept it to, you know, green Thompson, Curry, Poole, Peyton, Looney, and Wiggins. It's like, that's all you got to do. You got to keep that line short. You know, don't put in Bajilka and, you know, sorry, Kuminga, sorry, Moody. Like, I think your, your writer days are ahead of you, but it's just like, I just see the chemistry flowing with those seven. Draymond's picking it up a touch like he needs to. And like you're saying with Wiggins, he's been, you know, just filling in all the gaps, filling in all those holes. I mean, I think with defense popping out at the three-point line to stop the shots, he's gotten a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of like nice putbacks, but he's been filling out that box score every night. He's bringing extra dimension that can like, you know, penetrate and drive and, and finish at the bucket. And it's like, they kind of need that like superior, you know, athlete switchable type. That's just kind of Iguodala in his heyday, but it's just, you know, he's younger, he's more spry and like, like the future for Wiggins is pretty bright too. So, uh, you know, I like the Warriors, but, um, you know, I think overall you, you said it pretty well when you uh, kicked this off. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a great take. Uh, I think with Curry and, you know, yeah, the, the overreaction, I mean, media overreacting to things. What, what are you talking <laughs> about? Especially sports media, you know, gotta, gotta pop up those headlines and everything. Um, I mean, there's a reason why, uh, more of these athlete podcasts are popping up. It's just because a lot of people are just like, you, got, you, got, you guys have never, Hey, why are we listening to people that have never played the game? And then they're just like creating drama for the sake of creating drama. It, it always sounds like, uh, yes, Tatum is a great player, a superstar. Um, you know, he's facing one of the toughest, uh, teams out there defensively, uh, has Wiggins on them and everything. I remember Tyrese Halliburton. I, I think I was watching on JJ, Reddick's podcast saying like oh yeah uh, Wiggins is the best player best defensive player uh in this finals or something like that and I don't know I, I think it's pretty evident um you know he definitely has the athleticism and length and then again in this short series like yeah a player like Wiggins they're 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 just they're just gonna have that determination to like yeah I'm gonna actually do something out here um so I, I'm glad for Wiggins that he's showing up he's not you know the number one pick and like you know uh the next LeBron and next Jordan and all that. So um, I, I, I think it's great that he's found kind of like this, this, uh, I don't want to say niche, but like, you know, kind of like a, a, his role, if you will, like an ideal role for him. So, um, and he's pretty young too. I think he's like 26, 27. So um, still even has some more room to, to kind of grow there and hit his prime. And, you know, uh, man, this Warriors team for the next couple of years, I think maybe, you know, maybe next two, three years is probably what it's going to look like for their championship run. I mean, them, Kaminga, uh, Wiseman, you know, to get the young bucks in there, uh, at what, you know, have them kind of see the way of, of how, uh, uh, Jordan Poole, how kind of how, you know, Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green are, are like playing together and kind of have that send off kind of like the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, but they're big three. Right. Um, and then when they send it off to Kawhi and then hopefully, you know, Kaminga is like, oh, hey, I'm going to go back to, I don't even know where he, he's actually from, but, you know, yeah, like go back to like kind of like what Kawhi did, right? Um, but yeah, it, I, I think kind of creating that core and then having uh, them teach the, the young the young ones drafting well uh, and then having them teach the, the younger ones of like how to go about the business, how to be professional, create that winning culture. Um, I think that's how you create a franchise. And I think that's what they're trying to do. 
Um, that's what I'm hoping the Bulls are trying to do. That's why I want Patrick Williams to be there too, uh, long term. Although every Bulls fans like trade him, trade him, trade him. Uh, you know, I, I I think the idea for me is you know athletic wings that are skilled, which Patrick Williams is when he's healthy. Uh, although he needs to work on his assertiveness and take it up a notch. Um, that's kind of like the whole Andrew Wiggins thing. I, I, it's a league of uh, wings. Like if you want to be a a a franchise um uh, that wins championships you, you need to have really really great wings out there and i think that's what uh the andrew wings of the world you know clay thompson um then potentially you know uh demar DeRozan and uh uh patrick williams hopefully are so that's that's why i i'm definitely much more of like we need to keep patrick williams as a bulls fan but um you know yeah i i hope that people see uh how awesome and of a franchise the Warriors are going forth, and uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens when, yeah, uh, Kaminga and Wiseman come up a little bit more and, and develop. So, very excited about uh, all that. And yeah, Tatum still is a superstar, no matter what you know, some of the, the ESPN says. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a player like Wiggins, they're, they're, they're just they're just gonna have that determination to, like, yeah, I'm gonna actually do something out here. Um, so I, I'm glad for Wiggins that he's showing up. He's not, you know, the number one pick and like, you know, uh, the next LeBron and next Jordan and all that. So, um, I, I, I think it's great that he's found kind of like this, this, I don't want to say niche, but like, you know, kind of like, a, a his role, if you will, like an ideal role for him. So, um, and he's pretty young too. I think he's like 26, 27. So, um, still even has some more room to, to kind of grow there and hit his prime and, you know. Uh, man, this Warriors team for the next couple of years, I think, you know, maybe next two, three years is probably what it's going to look like for their championship run. I mean, them, Kaminga, uh, Wiseman, you know, to get the young bucks in there, uh, at what, you know, have them kind of see the way of, of how uh, uh, Jordan Poole, how kind of how, you know, Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green are, are like playing together and kind of have that send off kind of like the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs with their big three, right? Um, and then when they send it off to Kawhi and then hopefully, you know, Kaminga is like, oh, hey, I'm going to go back to, I don't even know where he, he, he's actually from, but, you know, yeah, like go back to like kind of like what Kawhi did. Right. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think kind of creating that core and then having uh, them teach the, the young, the young ones drafting well uh, and then having them teach the, the younger ones of like how to go about the business, how to be professional, create that winning culture. Um, I think that's how you create a franchise. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, that's what I'm hoping the Bulls are trying to do. That's why I want Patrick Williams to be there too, uh, long term. Although every Bulls fans like trade him, trade him, trade him. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the idea for me is, you know, athletic wings that are skilled, which Patrick Williams is when he's healthy, uh, although he needs to work on his assertiveness and take it up a notch. Um, that's kind of like the whole Andrew Wiggins thing. I, I, it's a league of, uh, wings like if you want to be a a a franchise um uh, that wins championships you, you need to have really really great wings out there and i think that's what uh the andrew wings of the world you know clay thompson um then potentially you know uh demar DeRozan and uh uh patrick williams hopefully are so that's that's why i i'm definitely much more of like we need to keep patrick williams as a bulls fan but um you know, yeah, I, I hope that people see uh, how awesome and of a franchise the Warriors are going forth. And 
uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens when, yeah, uh, Kaminga and Wiseman come up a little bit more and, and develop. So very excited about uh, all that. And yeah, Tatum still is a superstar, no matter what, you know, some of the, the ESPN says. So, yeah. Yeah. So just for the record, do you think them going back to Boston now for game six, do you think this is it? Um, or do you think Boston puts up a real fight, pulls, you know, pulls through and it happens to go back to Golden State to kind of, yeah. you know, go to seven or like, what do you, what do you, how do you think this is going to shake out? I think, I think, uh, I mean, I could be wrong, you know, but Hey, that's what this talk is all for. Right. Uh, but I, I think that the Warriors have figured out uh, the Celtics. I don't know if the Celtics can adjust appropriately. Um, you know, they've, they're pushing uh, Tatum and Brown left. I don't know what else the, uh, the Celtics can do to counteract some of that. Uh, they just have to not turn over the ball and get better ball movement, even heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, easier said than done, right? Um, and then, yeah, just hope. hopefully their defensive rotations slow down uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and all that too. So, um, and let Dream on Green try to beat you with, yeah. I, I think their goal ought to be, we ought to just make Draymond Green score 40 points on us. Like that ought to be like, if he can do that, like we'll, we'll take that. We'd rather do that, take that than Clay Thompson going crazy or Steph Curry, right? Like just yeah. put a bunch of people on there and let Draymond Green try to score. Um, but yeah. Do you think that they're going to take uh, game six or you think it's going game seven? I, I think they're going to get it done six. I think that the Warriors just have the will to win that, the Celtics don't have. I mean, I'm sorry if you have, if you have. I, I wanted to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought there was a 13 point lead. I want to say from Boston's end in Game Four on their home court, and I think they just let, you know, it, it might have been nine at the half or something like that. But they just let the Warriors stay around, stay around, stay around, and eventually, you know, Curry get, got hot and you know just started to roll, and then you know um, bench players just started to pick it up. It seemed like. They abandoned the Bajilka uh, substitution, got back to their seven, their core seven, and it was just like a light switch turned on. And mm-hmm. I just, I think when you know the pressure mounts and when the Celtics are on their heels, I just feel like they're still a little young in that department. I mean, they flashed the you know zero finals appearances before the series even started, and I think it was you know, 120 plus, you know, games of finals experience, you know, combined with the Warriors. So it's just like that kind of shined through for me um, as far as, you know, who's ready to be a champion and who's not, um, you know, as far as it goes, I mean, um, to your point about stopping Steph or stopping Claire, you know, making Draymond score 40. When I watched their offense roll, it's, uh, you know, there were times when there was a lot of Steph ISO and it was getting kind of, you know, slow and boring to watch. And I was like, what are they doing? Cause you know, just like the Spurs, they're like the masters of ball movement. They're just so unselfish as a, as a unit that it's like fun to watch them just, you know, play hot potato with the basketball and you know, have Draymond, you know, you know, you know, steer the ship. But in the same sense, it's like, you know, you're just waiting for Steph or clay to pop out or you're waiting for, you know, uh, Jordan pool now to hit three pointers or Gary Payton to, you know, drive the, drive the lane or dish it off to Wiggins or something. So it's like, your head's got to be on a swivel at all points. And I feel like they play really good team basketball in that sense. But um, yeah, I, I think this one is uh, essentially over, um, you know, just as far as it goes. And uh, I did want to touch on your point about, you know, this 
this idea of the Warriors kind of being like the modern day Spurs with, you know, their big three. But, you know, I could just see guys like Steph and Clay, you know, slide into bench roles toward the end of their careers, like really nicely. And they're also just like their skill sets really play well to being able to play for a, a lot of years toward the end of their careers because, you know, everybody needs a Del Curry. Everybody needs, you know, uh, somebody could spot up. I'm trying to think of a good, you know, shooting guard, small forward type off the bench who's just good at hitting threes. Like Ray everybody, Allen. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like Ray Allen. Everybody needs one of those or two, you know? So it's like, you know, Reggie Miller was great at it toward the end of his run when the, you know, Pacers uh, got in the malice of the palace. But it's like, you know, I just see those two as being the leader types that any franchise would love to have. And it's like, I think they'll get their championship now. Who knows how many, you know, runs they'll have after this. I mean, we might be in a nice little three-year window again, but, uh, you know, in any sense, I think they, uh, they'll be able to ride out and always be a successful franchise with those two um, on the court. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, Steve Kerr is only 56, which for coaching aging, like that's not, that's not too old or whatever. So depending on how, how how far he wants to go and how, how much he wants to be coaching and everything um you know uh he can definitely be that that stable force to go along with you know however long steph curry dream on and and clay want to be there uh, but yeah to your point like shooting uh that's the last thing to go right like <laughs> that's what they always say it's it's like the knees uh, they'll slow down a little bit but you know you can still do some uh um some uh uh just you know quick catch and shoots right so i think you can definitely do that be that dull curry at all and um i think they'll definitely translate well and with wiggins kaminga and whoever else you know wiggins to uh jordan Poole, you know they definitely have enough talent to uh push them forward to the to, to the next uh i guess generation of you know the a franchise like the warriors again so very much excited about them very much excited about um where they're going to be going i think and yeah I, I definitely think them as like a more modern day spurs you know having that steph curry like being the best player on their team but being totally selfless um you know we we see that in the nba finals i think uh, a lot for this nba finals and that you know, he's always willing to pass the ball and get rid of the ball whenever people um are like you know double teaming him triple teaming him etc um and then that's always where it's like you know, that's where Tatum needs to get a little bit better at and being able to actually not turn over the ball too at the same time. Uh, I, I, I think that's, that's where the distinguishment is, is there, uh, you know, and I think right now, you know, uh, Steve Kerr is just out coaching uh, 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 Udoku right now with regards to that. And that's, that's kind of been what's, what's been at play right now. And, but, you know, Hey, we'll see what, if the Celtics do make an adjustment going into game six and then possibly a game seven, if that is possible, I just, think that with the experience with the talent with the momentum going i think the warriors close it out though in game six so yeah and you know they don't want to go to seven on their home court again mm -hmm. i mean there's no way they're taking them for granted like they're just they're not going to want to do that to themselves again i think that would create undue yeah. pressure yeah what, what's up with warriors in game sevens right and after like <laughs> blowing blowing a lead like yeah I, I i think the they might get triggered a little bit there and be like yeah we're, we're dead again <laughs> you know so i don't know what it is but game sevens for warriors yeah i, I feel like they're like you know this is our game seven i think they got to be approaching it like that going into game six right now so for yeah. sure yeah well i guess we'll see where the warriors go over the next you know after this one a couple years or so but uh
you know, maybe in a couple of years, we have a couple extra basketball teams in the league as well. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen some, uh, some rumors now about, um, you know, NBA potentially adding uh, franchises in Seattle and, and in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it seemed like off the bat, Adam Silver was kind of quick to knock that down. Um, but the rumors are still out there. They're floating. Um, what did it, what do you make of all this? Did you hear any news? And, uh, you know, w- what do you think that would mean for the game to have uh, franchises in both of those cities? Uh, it'll mean a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it still boggles my mind how Seattle, you know, I lived there for six years and everything, but it's like, it still boggles my mind how, uh, somebody thought like, Oh, Oklahoma city is a better place to put an NBA franchise than Seattle. Seattle has how many like fortune 500 companies, how much tech money in there has got Microsoft. It's got Costco. It's got Starbucks. It's got Amazon. What does Oklahoma City have? Like, what you got compared to those companies, right? So I don't get how that, I mean, I do get it, how that all transpired. I know there's people in Seattle that hate Howard Schultz, uh, you know, because he used to be the owner of the Seattle Supersonics and then uh, kind of, you know, uh, sold it to uh, an entrepreneur. I, I don't even know who the owner is for the Oklahoma City Thunder because I don't care. Uh, but uh that person basically was like yeah i'm, I'm not gonna I, I think the idea was that schultz thought that this guy was not going to uh take the team and run oklahoma city even though he was he was like living in oklahoma city uh but he ended up uh, actually going to oklahoma city uh despite i think whatever handshake that was promised there and since then uh howard schultz has been trying to like vindicate himself uh, because of all this but i think it'll be great for seattle seattle is such a great uh sports city it's such a great basketball city too there's a lot of nba talent that has come from there uh because of the supersonics because of the gary paytons and sean kemp's of the world so and detlash rumps so i think that uh it'll be great for basketball uh for the monetary side and then you know uh being just a great sports city i, I think seattle definitely deserves it um people also forget that yeah vancouver's up north there uh, I know there's Portland down south, but you know Vancouver is such a state-of-the-art city. Like it's my favorite city in, in all of North America. Like a uh, great economy, a uh, uh, great uh, just state-of-the-art uh, city. It's my favorite city to go to in uh, like city city in in North America. I would say so. Um, great food scene. Everything is pretty much state-of-the-art there. So I think it's great that they are able to get um, uh, if Seattle is able to get. Uh, an NBA franchise there now Las Vegas, you know, Hey, with sports gambling becoming more prominently like legalized. Uh, I think that's you know, obviously the whole NFL franchise coming there, NHL franchise coming there. It obviously makes sense to why not have an NBA franchise there? Um, I think it'll be great uh, for the NBA, obviously. Uh, and I think, yeah, if they can segue into sports gambling a little bit more, why not? You know, especially as the other franchise or other all the other leagues are doing so as well. So I think it'll be great there. Um, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of growth opportunities from there too, and being a destination place. So because I traveled to Vegas for uh, an NFL game, it's pretty fun. I think I went uh, last year for a Bears game, and uh, I'm like, oh, who's the halftime show? 
it ended up being ludicrous, which I'm like, yeah, this isn't this isn't a Chicago Bears type of halftime show. They probably have like you know the Bucket Boys or something. Like that. No shade of the Bucket Boys, but <laughs> yeah. you know they're not they're not ludicrous, you know. So uh, I think it's just it's a whole other level. It's going to take it to the next to the next level, just being in Las Vegas and a city like that. So, but yeah, what are your thoughts? How how do you see things playing out? Yeah, um, so it, it looks like at least from what I saw that uh, while Adam Silver kind of spurned this idea off the bat, um, it seems like the NBA's collective bargaining agreement expires in 23, 24. So maybe that's when it gets revisited. Um, seems like there's a lot of momentum around it. I mean, LeBron's kind of voiced himself and being like super interested in buying the Vegas team, um, you know, setting up shop there. I think he mentioned it on, um, you know, uh, the barbershop or the shop, whatever is uh HBO series is called or, or what have you, but uh, yeah, you know, I could see LeBron heading up a, a franchise like that. I mean, it looks like, you know, tons of NBA players are, you know, starting to, you know, put their stakes into different teams. I mean, whether it even is the same sport or it goes across different sports now for all types of athletes, I should say. Um, but, you know, Dwayne Wade with Utah jazz and, you know, I, I could just see his interest being, you know, fully into, you know, basketball and it's been his entire life. And, uh, He's a, he's a successful businessman too. I mean, he's, 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 you know, done blaze pizza. He's, you know, producing movies now. Um, you know, he's always been with Nike. It just kind of feels like, you know, he's going to know his way around, you know, the business world as well as, you know, understanding players and, you know, scouting and, you know, development. I mean, he's a good team leader, you know, on the court. So, you know, I, I would love to see his vision there. I mean, hopefully he does, you know, tick better than Jordan <laughs> did off the bat and, uh, being either a GM or, you know, high powered exec or something like that. But um, I think LeBron would be great for an NBA uh, organization and culture um, in that sense. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, as far as both teams, um, you know, getting established in both of those cities, I mean, it feels like, you know, sticking with Las Vegas when they brought on the golden Knights um, for the NHL, you know, first year they make it to the finals. I mean, like <laughs> what's the chances of, you know, that ever happening? I mean, they, ended up losing but in the same sense as like you know the shocker around the world and uh just instantly you know built a you know a culture around that um you know that that team and it felt like that was you know one of the you know impetuses for you know the the raiders being comfortable moving there and starting a franchise there and you know now they're growing they brought in you know a bunch of extra talent it looks like you know Devonte adams will be with you know Carr this year for the raiders so like that's a huge draw for you know, people that were, you know, Raiders fans in the past, or even if you're, you know, a brand new Raiders fan, in Las Vegas. So I'm sure uh, for basketball, they could do, you know, the same thing um, to the Sonics. Um, yeah. Clay Bennett uh, was the owner that moved him to, to Oklahoma city. It's like his hometown and where he set up shop and businesses and stuff. So extremely unpopular move. I mean, fortunate enough for Oklahoma city. I mean, that's been a great franchise, uh, you know, run by Sam Presti and um, you know, I've had some, you know, home run hit, you know, hit hits on, you know, NBA draft night with Durant, Westbrook, Harden, you know, Ibaka, you go down the line, just been like some really great uh, decisions they've made over the years, especially with all their draft capital now. But, um, you know, pointing to Seattle, uh, it always seemed like a destination, you know, for the NBA when the Sonics were actually there, you know, when they left, it was a huge blow to that community uh, of, of Sonics fans. But also, you know, I think Seattle's kind of proven that, you know, looking at the Seahawks, for example, when they were on their, you know, uh, Super Bowl run, it was just, 
and that was you know the 12th you know the 12th member of the team it was the fans it's like and you could you know tell that it was you know just i think noise level wise or like first in you know pro sports or something for like the decibel levels they can get to in that you know stadium. i think it was once quest field i don't know if that's the same sponsor sponsorship still but uh you know i've even heard like the seattle sounders football club that's another you know huge culture that was built up in seattle that's just like propelled the mls so now you know, major league soccer is just like on fire in the United States. And it's due the due in part to teams like the Sounders that, you know, could build such, you know, great fan bases. So, you know, maybe that, um, Sonic's move to OKC is like a blessing in disguise, but, uh, but still they deserve a franchise. They deserve a team being there and, uh, you know, would totally be cool with them just bringing back the Sonics 2.0. That'd be so cool. It'd be like the, kind of like the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, in the nineties or what have you just a fan base that's always been, you know, by the side of the team and they bring back like the iconic logo and colors and things like that. So um, that would be cool too. Um, I think the last point that silver brought up, uh, I think somewhat worth debating, um, you know, even if we just touch on it, but uh, you know, just going to 31, 32 teams, uh, you know, silver talked about it, maybe diluting the talent pool. Um you know, I think arguments could be made on either side. I mean, I think there's, you know, considerable amount of depth in the G League. Uh, you know, overseas talent is continuing to grow. You know, maybe this is a runway for older players to stick around in the league for a couple more years or you know, maybe get some of these younger guys on the court faster. So in a lot of ways, you know, maybe it's all uh, relative. But uh, what do you make of all the you know points I said or like just this idea that silver raises? Yeah, 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 I'll touch, I'll, t- I'll touch that point, and then I'll, I'll go back to LeBron and all that because there's a lot of money there, and you know, yeah, it's kind of like ESPN. Let's talk about LeBron all the time, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So with regards to diluting, um, I think there's too much money to be made for it not to occur. So I think they'll make, they're like, yeah, let's let's get the money there, and then let's figure out a way to make sure that the the talent level and you know the star players are are, are still around and you know, going to these franchises. I I think they'll be fine long term. Uh, so yeah, again, there's too much money to be made there for that not to happen. Adam Silver knows that. So um, I think that with regards to maybe helping some of those stuff out, yeah, like there's only becoming more NBA uh, uh, talent and grooming happening. You know, whether it's player going players going overseas or this whole G League thing. Uh, kind of these programs coming up to you know where players are just skipping college and all that it's like why would i play with a bunch of 18 year olds and to 22 year olds when i can play with grown men and, and operate in facilities and you know especially with this these whole like um you know uh you know, things with regards to uh these players just being able to monetize their own you know properties now it's like why would i you know be under the restrictions of the ncaa and all that it's like i can do other things i i think there'll be much more uh people skipping um uh, uh probably skipping college altogether um that being said you know maybe the college game does suffer it it, it kind of has been suffering a little bit you know you didn't see Lamella ball you know play for like kentucky or whatever so or ucla um and if they do play for the ncaa usually it's for a year right so i i think you know if the ncaa if i i know they're kind of leaning into this whole like yeah let's just grab him and then let's do this whole nil thing and all that right so i sure go for that but who we're not kidding ourselves uh you know if, if i am a little mellow ball with somebody with like some recognition and and uh, the obvious talent to do things 
I'm going to want to play in the NBA, get get to this whole G League, play with professionals or play overseas, you know, get people in Australia or or in Europe or in Spain, right, to to get that brand notoriety going, right? So I think that's one way to go about it. And then like, yeah, you know, you can still uh, post on Instagram for people in Kentucky or Kansas and all to see me too. And I don't have to play for the University of Kansas to do all that. So um, I think it's it's better for the sport, great for the sport, great for the players, um, you know, for expansion and obviously good business for the NBA uh, in general. Um, with regards to LeBron, uh, it, it's he is a businessman. There is a reason why he went to the Lakers. Uh, I mean, for show, you know, definitely for the show, for the brand and all that. But he, he wanted to start his own uh, production company, right, which we which he has and kind of created it with this whole um, hustle movie and all that, too. Um, but, you know, Las Vegas has no or Nevada has no state income tax. So I think he's I think he does own a property over there. And I feel like, you know, this whole uh, migration of people just moving around anywhere has taught us anything is that. I'm a successful business person in California. Like, why would I want to go there? You know, I can obviously get my own helicopter or private jet in Vegas and then, uh, you know, go to uh, meetings in L.A. if I need to. But, you know, my residency and all that uh, will be in Vegas or Nevada, at least, so that I don't have to pay his income tax. So um, I think that's what I'll probably be doing uh, since he is a savvy businessman, have his residency there. I think he does have property there, um, although apparently it's his. Uh, his Vegas house is a purchase he most regrets, apparently. So <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But um, yeah, you know, if he if he lives there uh, and is not too far from L.A., then it's like, why not, uh, you know, set up shop there and then set a franchise there? And I think that's a cool way to go. And uh, that'll be a great impact. And people will be traveling to Vegas to, you know, see him and, you know, experience the Vegas nightlife and, and, and all he has to offer. So. I think it'll be great. It makes sense if I'm if I'm LeBron James. So yeah, so my thoughts. Got it. Yeah, um, this is for sure. I feel like this is a you know, a, um, yeah, it's forthcoming. All this all this stuff is going to happen at some point, sometime. I feel like 2024 might be the good target date based on you mm-hmm. know the the CBA you know expiring. So. We'll see. I mean, baseball went through a lot of great changes. I thought, you know, leading into this season when they came to, you know, their deal between players and owners, like I think this is another great opportunity them for, you know, both sides to just open their eyes and see, like, you know, clearly Seattle needs their team back. It's been it's crazy. Uh, what, it's been six years or more. Uh, I mean, I just think I, I definitely think they need, you know, just to get their franchise back and in Vegas, it's proving to be a great destination. Whether gambling, sports gambling is you know, detrimental to society. Maybe, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, possible to, you know, affecting sports and the, how the game is actually played or what the outcomes actually are. I don't know if, you know, over the years we might see some, uh, some, some shady business happening. I mean, it's definitely possible, but uh, you know, as far as it being a great destination, just set up a franchise, get fans in the stands and build cultures. Like they're proven they can do that. So, you know, keep it rolling until uh, something comes off the tracks, I guess. But uh, but yeah, um, no, I, I don't have much else to add there. Um, were there any other topics that we were floating around? Uh, you know, well, well, yeah, I know we were talking about uh, a little bit. I, I saw the movie Hustle. We were talking about a little bit, a little bit of LeBron James and his production company. They produce uh, Hustle on Netflix with Adam Sandler um, and uh, uh, Blanchero, uh, uh 
Gomez, uh, botch his name there, but no, yeah, like, uh, saw, saw like that movie, uh, this past week on there and it was pretty amazing. Um, so props to Maverick Carter and LeBron James, uh, for producing like such a great movie. Um, you know, Adam Sandler, great, uh, kind of like great in, in, in terms of like in a kind of a dramatic role, if you will, uh, with Queen, Queen Latifah as his wife too. So it's a very much, <laughs> like oh yeah like these all these people are in this movie and it's like oh it's because lebron produced it maverick carter like these guys are the top top of the food chain you know with regards to the nba and then also obviously now hollywood so um i think it was a pretty awesome movie uh had a lot of the the philadelphia 76ers on there since um am sandler is is kind of like kind of like a scout slash coach for the, the 76ers and he's out there to try to find like this uh the next great talent and then sees uh um uh Juancheros uh Gomez is like uh his him in Spain is like oh you need to bring him over to America sees so like he's this great potential talent and everything that just hasn't been found yet so um no you know it, it's definitely cliche and cheesy and all that but it got me thinking about like hey you know there it's stuck to the formula of what a good sports movie is uh you know kind of like the underdog uh working hard to uh overcome adversity and then having some form of success right so um but yeah it got me thinking of like what are some of the top sports movies out there um so you know with all that i'm like i'd be here interested to hear like what are some of your favorite sports movies out there yeah so before I dive into that, I actually watched Hustle too. Um, okay. I had a slightly different take about the movie itself, but I will say that when I go back and I think about my favorite sports movies of all time, I watched majority of those movies when I was in my teen years or before, so maybe youth years as well. What I would say is I think Hustle, if I was like in middle school, in high school, or even earlier, I probably would have a different take than I do today, but it's only because I feel like I was just trying to draw connections with like some of the characters and maybe like how they tried to portray this movie. I mean, I feel like it is rated R if I'm, if I'm right on that, I want to say it was rated check. Correct me if I'm wrong. If it's not rated R, then I'll, I'll change my tune a little bit. I think there's some swearings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess like I wanted a little bit more story development. I wanted like, I, I didn't feel it as much. I wasn't as captivated to the, to the, um, you know, Wancho Hernan Gomez character. I think his name was Bo, Bo Cruz, which is just like <laughs> the most ridiculous name for a, a kid from Spain. Like, I don't know anybody from, you know, you know Spanish culture that's named Bo. I mean, again, if your name is Bo and you are from Spain, please comment and message on our board because I'd love to know that but i mean that kind of got me like laughing off the bat but um well, well, i was gonna say i was gonna say interrupt you there with regards to anthony edward uh, uh his player his character's player was uh kermit willis so like, <laughs> yeah so we, we had Bo versus kermit in the big showdown <laughs> and the showdown ends you know with Bo cruz like slapping the slapping the floor on kermit's head like kermit wouldn't get up and start throwing hands like please but I guess it's just like, you know, I don't want to, you know, spoil the whole movie or anything like that. If people are you know, about to watch her or something like that. But I guess like, you know, we go to like the Adam Sandler character and, you know, 
his conflict with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers owner's son, who's like the heir to the throne. It's just like, I wanted a little bit more, like I wanted a little bit more context is like why there's some beef there. It felt like very, ta- like very surface level. And it was just like so cutthroat and like cruel that I was like, this is very cruel to like your best scout, you know, number one. And then I was thinking like, why is Adam Sandler like Queen, Queen Latifah and Adam Sandler never kissed in the entire movie. There was one scene where she kisses him lightly on the cheek or the forehead or something. And I was just like, like, there's no love in that relationship. There was no backstory as to like why they're together. Um, you know, there's just like, I just felt like there's some holes in the story. That's all I'll say, at least from my perspective. But, um, you know, do you want, you know, NBA like type action? Like it's got it. Do you want to know what it feels like to be at the combine? For sure has that. Um, a scout's life maybe on the road and understanding like the international context of, you know, scouting, like knocked it out of the park. I thought that there were like, some really good elements of this movie and like the in-game basketball action that make the you know, movie fun to watch. And you're rooting for, you know, Adam Sandler as the scout and you're rooting for, you know, uh, Bo Cruz as the player. Um, I guess there's just like, there is another movie I could compare it to somewhat. Um, and it just, I felt like the movie I'm co- going to compare it to just does a little bit more for me. But uh, do you have any reaction to that? Did I, did I just like go overboard and like, uh, you know, not give it an accurate take, or you know, did you want to rebut with anything? No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for me, it's like my my expectations for for sports movies and Hollywood. It is funny you mentioned the whole Queen Latifah too. Uh, not not kissing. Uh, you know, uh, uh Adam Sandler. Uh, it, it definitely is like that whole idea of like you know, act. I feel like two actors have been in the game for two, for that long, right? It's like. Are they gonna do it? Because I was like, are they gonna do it? I, I think they were just rubbing feet. I think there was that one scene where he's just rubbing <laughs> her feet. Like, I think that was it in terms of like affection, that that little kiss on the cheek. So it's like, okay, they're not gonna I, you see that too with like young Hollywood, too. It's like, yeah, you know, they might not be as you know, it's like she's barely 18 or whatever, like you know, crazy stuff like that, right? It's like I'm not we're not gonna push that that far. So I, I I'm I'm used to kind of seeing that as a movie lover. Um, but I, I will say I, I do like your take with regards to at least the NBA or the the, the basketball scenes because I think Twitter went crazy and I was noticing this. Twitter went crazy with this with uh, with uh, Anthony Edwards and kind of like his antagonist and he was like, "This guy's not even acting like he's this is how he is normally." <laughs> but it, it was pretty funny though is that Montero uh, Hernan Gomez like he was actually his teammate in, in Tim- the Timberwolves for about a season, so they they're familiar with each other um but you know they i i think everybody appreciated the trash talking scenes that edwards did um i i know i did for sure um but yeah you know sports movies are gonna be cliche they're the writing can be dry it's it fa- follows a formula uh there's definitely a lot of holes and and kind of like i don't know what, what's the term but yeah like movie holes in there for sure with regards to like uh the the story and how it flew and how it flowed you know, the writing might have been a little bit, yeah, uh, not precise with regards to actually, you know, it's definitely not an Oscar-winning movie or Oscar-winning screenplay, at least, I would say. But it does the job for me with regards to this is a sports movie. This is what you expect. Um, glad that they brought a bunch of, you know, people to do cameos on there. They got my boy Matisse Thiebel there, too. So uh, happy to see him there and all, too. But, um, yeah, for me, it was an overall good sports movie uh, with, with all that being said. But I do love 
Bo Cruz and Kermit Willett <laughs> Witz. Uh, that those are the craziest names for I, that. Those are like antagonists for like my my player, uh, my my career in NBA 2K. I feel like um, I think that was like the overall take on. I was like, this is basically just a nice version of an NBA 2K my career storyline. Like it yeah. kind of was. So yeah, and, and like, what was the deal with uh? With Adam Sandler's hand, like the whole, the whole movie, <laughs> you know, like he's like cast yeah, it off. Yeah, he's yeah. like, and my hands like Swiss cheese or something. Like, and then he tells the story. It just like it didn't like, land correctly. Yeah, that he, one didn't he, like. Yeah, so like with that, like why not show like a flashback? You know, like just have like yeah. a have like a dramatic flashback because this movie is rated R. I just looked at it, it's rated R. I was like, I don't know, man. It just it was kind of like towing between PG and rated R. I was just like. Pick a side like editing. There might have been some editing. It was like about two hours, right? Which I know, like, that's <laughs> it, but yeah. I just felt like it was like I. I think they were trying to bite off too much they can chew from a storytelling perspective, but I think right. that uh, they landed on the basketball, like the feeling of true NBA basketball. I feel like was was portrayed very well in this movie. Like you felt mm-hmm. like you were actually in an NBA locker room, or you know boardroom or you know on the court itself like it was it was well done from that perspective and uh trust me i've gone back and watched some sports movies that i absolutely loved as a kid and some just don't come off the same way anymore like i'll very shortly say major league you know isn't a group of some of my favorite movies but it's funny that like you watch major league back again and you find out you're rooting for a protagonist that like basically cheated on his fiance and then like is basically working to like screw over the good fiance who hasn't messed up anything. He was treated her really well. Is like wined and dined her and treated her like the lady she deserves to be. And like this whole time, it's just like he also like screwed around with like he screwed around like multiple women while being with this woman and never read her favorite book until like you know he finally like gets her back at the end and like recites one line from Moby Dick and it's just like this huge hero and it's just like I don't know like I watch some of these things back and I'm like yeah like my brain wasn't fully developed when I was 12. Like I thought this guy was the coolest guy ever. And now it's like, I, I have second thoughts, but uh, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean when you say that about sports movies. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. it's got like, it's got to just hit a couple notes for you as a sports fan. You're like, all right, that was like, it was a great sports movie. You know, I'm, I'm sure your, your wife appreciates your, your, your take <laughs> on major league there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny because even on my like men's league baseball team, we had like, three guys we were like all uh i guess we all are married or whatever and two of us have kids or something but we were all like kind of like talking about just how some of this stuff just does, really just doesn't age well like some of the humor and some of the like the racial connotations in these movies like you know all seriousness aside like some just some stuff just doesn't age that well yeah for sure what so Will, what are what are your top movies your top sports movies apparently uh Major League didn't age well, but you got any other ones uh, up your sleeve there? Yeah. Um, so I th- let's stick with basketball because the movie mm-hmm. that I would say is is like the hustle of its time, but is like to me way better is Above the Rim. Um, mm. Just love the whole like Kyle Lee Watson story where it's like he's coming up in New York, like grinding like a Stefan Marbury or like a Sebastian Telfair of his time. And it's like, just destined to go to a top college. And that's like all he's really playing for. Um, it just like brings you into New York. It brings you into nineties hip hop culture. You, know, you got Tupac who is playing birdie 
And then Tupac's brother is actually uh, Leon, who's, you know, famous for cool runnings and being, um, you know, in this movie, his name's Shep and he's like the top basketball player before Kyle Lee actually ever got there. So what's fun to watch about that movie and how the story plays out is like, you know, Shep and Birdie are brothers, but like Shep is the good guy. And he's like, basically his best friend dies at the beginning, you know, trying to, you know, slap the back for it. And he like falls off this like really tall apartment complex or whatever. It just messes up Shep and it messes up his whole like chances of becoming like a top player. And he, he's still like renowned in, in, you know, I want to say it's like based in Brooklyn, but he's like still renowned in that area. It's being like the top uh, amateur player of his time. And like, he ends up like whipping Kyle Lee into shape, but all the while, like birdie, his brother is like trying to pull Kyle Lee into like a darker world, like into drugs and into gangs and this and that. And like, there's just like, you know, a tipping point in the movie is when uh, they, I think they all go to like Rucker park and to play like this big, like basketball tournament, but like birdies team is like the bad team with like all the gangsters and this and that. And like, Kyle Lee's still playing high school ball and like excelling there, but like he's like kind of that conflict between the good and bad within himself. Like, which road does he want to take to be like a successful person or just to be like alive? And like it kind of takes like Shep to join like another Rucker Park team and like ultimately like recruit Kyle Lee like mid game <laughs> toward his team, where it's like, I don't know, like the whole movie is kind of fun because it's it brings me back to like you know, when we were in high school and like the decisions we had to make, like while we were going through either playing sports or like getting into academics or whatever you're into is just like those decision points you had to make going through high school. And then like just the route of like, take the easy money and go like, you know, the bad boy route, or, you know, are you going to stay committed to the grind and like try to make your way to a big college? And, uh, you know, I think forever, anybody who's ever seen that movie, I think, uh, you know, they might, they might call it one of their favorite basketball movies. I, I do, but uh, um, I thought that one's really great. Um, and then I've got two baseball movies. I mean, very cliche, I guess, for me, but like The Sandlot is just an all time yeah. classic. I mean, it's just a fun, you know, kids' movie. It brings you back to the neighborhood, it brings you back to like just playing ball with your friends and like whatever capacity that is, like whether you were, you know, just playing hoops or throwing a football around or like getting some guys together to play baseball or going to the pool. Like it just, it's your entire childhood, like played back out in a movie and uh, to be like the new kid in school and like not have any friends this summer, you kind of like that sadness feeling off the bat. Cause you're just like, you really want this kid to like fit in and like find something that's good for him. And he's like this complete disaster of a baseball player and you just can't throw and things like that. So he's not really an athlete, but it's more about like building bonds and building friendships. than it really is about like, the game of baseball but like if you're really like a fan of baseball or you just like love baseball for what it is what it represents like there's kind of like these tearful moments for me because i'm just like you know the night when they're like all playing uh under the fireworks and stuff like that like it's like a really like cool moment just kind of like is everything baseball and like somewhat white Sox with the fireworks but uh mm -hmm. you know even at the end it's just like um one of the guys who plays in the sandlot with benny the jet rodriguez you know, for everyone who's seen it, like goes to the pros, goes to the Dodgers, but like steals home. And then like the kid that, you know, Smalls, who is always kind of like the left out kid, like becomes the announcer at the end for the Dodgers. And then I like, have this moment where they both like thumbs up, but it's just like the perfect ending to like, you know, kids baseball and like making friendships and stuff when you're young. Um, and to kind of round it off, I mean, bringing it back to Chicago, um, I'm not going to say rookie of the year. 
So, you know, Cubs fans, don't get your hopes up. But uh, Hardball is seriously, oh, yeah. like, I can watch that movie. I've probably seen that movie over 100 times. It's probably my favorite sports movie, so that's probably why I saved it for the end. But, like, it is everything Chicago, number one. Like, if you've lived in any neighborhood in Chicago, like, you know, like, which parts, you know, maybe a little bit rougher than others. You may know, like, kind of that wealth divide within the city and like how that might shake out. And then like, I think everybody knows a guy like Keanu Reeves, his name's Connor in the movie, but like everybody went to college or like has a friend around Chicago who's just like, you know, whether or not they're a gambling addict, just like kind of like down on life, like not really getting the most out of themselves, like drinking way too much in Wrigleyville, this and that. And like, it's just kind of like the perfect, I mean, for the times that I was watching like, you know, around college time and after or even late high school, I want to say, but it was like, you know, just like, again, decisions you can make, like this guy is like down on his luck. He's gambled way too much money. It was like bookies way too much money. So he has to like find ways to earn income. So he goes to like the South side and he gets hooked up with one of his like corporate friends who like, doesn't want to coach this baseball team. Baseball team is like a bunch of uh, like inner city middle school kids that are just like, you know, behavior, behavior issues, home issues, like life issues. And like, now you've got this weird guy who's like blown it, you know, blown his entire load gambling is now going to be like their coach and leader and stuff. And it's just like the kids actually end up teaching him more than he teaches them. But it's just like a good, like recovery story for somebody who's like down on their luck. And in the same sense, it was like good for the kids who maybe don't have like role models in their lives who can like help provide some sort of structure, help provide like a male relationship where it's like, I don't know, just the perfect, uh, again, like culmination of, uh, you know, two different worlds coming together and a lot of funny moments and some sad moments too, if you haven't seen it, but uh, I would check it out. Cause I don't think hardball, like, I mean, it's probably, it's, again, it's not going to win an Oscar, but like, I think, you know, most people probably overlook it, probably haven't seen it either. So like, I just put it on like the watch list is like, I think a good baseball movie and a good, like a good story overall. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Hardball for sure. I mean, there's the Chicago connection too, but it's like, how do you not like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is the man, basically. And I, I think there's also like a sighting of a Michael B. Jordan there too, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it, it is a fun movie, I think. Uh, also, it's got the beautiful Diane Lane. So, you know, hard, <laughs> not, hard not to like that movie overall. Kind of a bad news bears. I like that we were talking about like, you know, you can be like the the shittiest person on earth right but if you can help out you know the future generations on earth right it's like there's something to that and i think that's what that uh bad news bears hardball that kind of whole uh idea is about um with regards to you know you can still do things you can still do good things in, the, in this world no matter what's happened in your past or or how downtrodden you feel right so i think i got a lot of respect uh for that um love the love the tupac reference for sure <laughs> and uh i mean it's it man yeah you know there's i think with regards to like you know the mecca i think everybody describes new york as the mecca for basketball so any type of like uh basketball movie you know with rucker park uh you know i think is a great one so i think there's you know a lot of street to kind of what you were talking about there um you know such an underrated movie i think too um with regards to that and you know uh yeah i i don't know i and sandlot is such a classic you know everybody talks about 
uh was it babe ruth i, I can't everybody everybody always recites that i feel like in, in grade school it's like babe ruth like baby ruth like you know <laughs> that whole thing that that was like such a classic i feel like and um yeah it kind of goes goes back to just uh you know you and your your friends right just playing the game i, I think that's what it fundamentally comes down to and like all the fun craziness it is like growing up and kind of the coming of age story right so i think that's a classic uh overall there um so that's that's definitely one of my favorites um man you know you, you have such great baseball ones i think it's great that you uh took took some of them uh i i was uh, uh, what was that baseball movie that i was thinking of that um was like oh i'm surprised pat uh was the thing oh was it eight men out with the the uh john cusack uh and the the, the white socks i think it was uh, the black socks it was like with regards to the black socks i know that was one of them there um uh, did you ever watch that one or or uh if you haven't that's okay Man, I'm, a failure. <laughs> Dude, I'm a failure at life for so many reasons the cusacks are like from chicago like black socks i should have already watched this it's a baseball movie like I should just I should just leave right now. No, no, just... it's totally fine. Hey, no, yeah, that's perfect. Ter- we all that's great. Yeah, it's very <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, no, um, no. It's cool. Yeah, I, I do remember watching that. I was like, oh, this is such a <laughs> cool movie, and like you know, the Field of Dreams too. I, I know that was another baseball thing. Um, I I think those are like some classic baseball movies. Uh, and it is pretty cool that they have that now right in real life to playing those games in iowa right like how cool dude, they're gonna that? let the cubs they're gonna let the cubs play I was like, our, yeah just be white dude. play a series there play a series there you know yeah yeah like i'm cool yeah i'm cool with the white Sox playing the cubs there but i was like mm-hmm. okay so now you're gonna take away the socks thing and you're just gonna hand it over to the t- you know the hotter ticket in town yeah 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 why? that's I mean, I guess Iowa has like the Iowa Cubs, so like I yeah. get why Iowa wants to see the Cubs there, but like, like you're saying, like that's the White Sox yard. Like you can't principle. It's about the principle. yeah, <laughs> and like just just shout out to the White Sox for that game because it's like the most epic baseball game ever played. Yeah, hands down, hands down. Like people actually watched that. Like they're like they they went out of their day to actually watch it. Like yes baseball you got to be doing you got to be like embracing like your like this is the roots get down to it you know so. like here's the thing though like just from a creativity standpoint i know we're going on a tangent because we're talking about movies but like the cubs were in you know they had the rookie of the year game you know movie or whatever yeah. just just play the pirates or like the mets i think was their big playoff game in that movie just yeah. host the mets and call it like rookie of the year night and have like yeah, get a tender on out there. Yeah. Yeah, have a <laughs> you know, have American Pie kid, you know, Kevin, and you know, have a Marv from Home Alone, like, you know, dress yeah. up as the pitching coach. Like, I just say, like, stay in your lane, you know? <laughs> stay in yeah. your damn lane. <laughs> yeah, I do like I do like uh I forgot what was it a um might have been like an NBA All-Star game uh thing or something. I, I remember Ray Allen uh played jesus shuttlesworth right uh or he had it on his back and all that so i thought that was pretty cool right like but yeah play play to like you know if the movie has it stick to the script and all that right you know i think that's that's all we ask for as sports fans here like keep it within the family there the cubs at all teams i get the whole i i get the whole iowa thing i get it i get it but 
still still the white Sox will never get to play at that stadium because then like the cubs will be like annually now hosting that because they'll get good ratings there and it'll be like yeah yeah we just forgot what the whole movie was about we just want to have the cubs play out in the cornfields now so it's like yeah i mean they put with the yankees like i feel like yeah just you know have the white Sox team up with like you know it doesn't have to be the yankees but yeah like the cubs or another like uh yeah and play a series out of it i I think that'd be cool just do that i know i get the whole like you don't want it like a spectacle just one night and all that but me i'm like just make it a series make it fun make it cool just you can do different things on on each day um and get you know different starting pitchers out there uh to kind of embrace the experience too i think it's good for the game but um but yeah but speaking of my uh um jesus jesus shuttlesworth uh, that that was actually one of my movies on there was he got game nice uh yeah yeah jesus jesus shuttlesworth uh, spike lee joint uh he got game with uh, ray allen in there um i thought it was pretty amazing i mean for me it was like okay this is uh this is what a basketball movie kind of is with regards to like this youngster doing like going through college recruitment um it it also has uh rosario uh dos oh like holy cow like she's beautiful and everything like like saw her and was like i remember all this now it's like now now all those hormones are coming back together <laughs> for for all this so uh i thought it was an excellent movie um you know it's got denzel and everything in there too um that that uh soundtrack too is top notch like no other man um you know I, I i listen to it sometimes when i'm just like shooting around and everything and it's it's hard to beat that for sure um uh so yeah he got game is would be like one of my uh favorite movies definitely one of my favorite basketball movies um shout out to us a boot chip uh as well uh, with regards to the football, um, my favorite uh, uh, sports uh, football movie of all time, though, is Friday Night Lights. Um, such a good movie. Uh, Derek Luke uh, as uh, Booby Miles. I actually read the book before because I was like, oh, they're making a movie and this seems pretty cool and all that. And it was like uh, such a he did. He did such an excellent job, like like oscar worthy i know like yeah i'm gonna say like he ought to go an oscar just for that blew it out of the park with regards to um just getting that emotions and all that uh with regards to like you know he was like this top uh uh top top recruit running back and everything and then you know spoiler alert like you know gets hurt i think tears like his acl and everything and it's such a heartbreaking scene like with him there uh like finding out that he tore his acl and back then you know like i think 90s 80s or something like that back then like that's that's the end of your of your career essentially you know they didn't have the rehabilitation uh practices and and medicines that they do now so um so he was done his career was done uh and i think he eventually became like a trucker a truck driver or something like that so um you know hey nothing wrong with truck drivers or anything like that it's just he was like you know bound for uh at least NCAA football glory and potentially the NFL and all that. So, um, and all that was kind of taken away with a torn ACL. So it was really, really like kind of a heartbreaking, like that one scene with him and his, I think it was his uncle there, like was such a heartbreaking scene, but very top notch. Uh, also, um, you know, tell me how about Texas football. I think that's the whole thing. Texas football, New York basketball, like those things kind of equate. Right. So in that sense, and, um really was hit 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 the nail on the head with regards to what football means to uh to texas i would say um and then the next on my list 
uh, uh, for sports movie. Top for me, at least, was Warrior uh, with Tom Hardy um, uh, and uh, was it Taylor Edgerton, I think his name is. Uh, I remember just seeing him in like a bunch of random movies. I think he was like in Great Gatsby and all that. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy. He got his ass kicked uh, by Tom Hardy a little bit, but not at the end, right? So um, such a great movie. Uh, the acting is great. The MMA scenes are great. You know, it's about uh, like two brothers, but we find out later that they're brothers and everything, but like two brothers that uh, kind of came from like a, uh, had a tough upbringing with an alcoholic uh, father uh, who was Nick Nolte and was like, uh, uh, he was trying to like find vindication. Nick Nolte trying to find vindication in his life by helping out uh, Tom Hardy's character to train for, to be an MMA fighter for like this grand pot prize, like Grand Prix uh, MMA uh, uh, a tournament. So, you know, tries to do all that and, you know, don't want to split too much here and there, but it's like such, you know, obviously leads to a nice spectacle. MMA scenes are top notch, great. Uh, and, you know, the cinematography, the directing, uh, superb. You know, I, I remember I actually watched it free in the movie theater. <laughs> I think it was like some special or some promo they were, they were trying to do. Um, so I was able to watch it for free, but man, I was like, that was like one of the movies, only movies that, like in my life I've actually like, stood up and like clapped. Like I actually didn't really enjoy it that much. Like I was That's like, nice. I, I I always laugh at people that do that, and then I'm like, like why are you clapping? Is that that big of a deal? Like you know, <laughs> Th- Thanos was all right. Like <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't like Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> or was yeah. he? Maybe maybe it was. Um. But yeah, like that was one of those movies at the end. I just, it was like that, Slumdog Millionaire. I just felt good coming out of the movie theater. So, um, but yeah, those are my, those are my favorite movies. That's my uh, top three, I would say. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a solid list. Um, I'm gonna have to watch some of those because um, I know there's a couple on your list that I haven't seen. So I got a lot of time this, these next couple of weeks. <laughs> I'll be sure to knock a couple of these out on the weekends or at nights or something like that. But that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I was going to say, I've never, given a standing O to a movie, but I have watched one, uh, I believe five times in the theaters with my brother. So we went Which to go see it. No Country for Old Men. It's, it's yeah. not sports, but I don't know what it was. It was just so dark and uh, there's a lot of pieces to connect together. So we just, we actually, I was in college and my brother was working at the time, but we'd get off early, but we'd go see uh, matinees for like five bucks back in the day. And uh, I don't know, just like consistently like, we're trying to watch movies so we'd like we'd always go to the theaters and i think we'd like at some point it was probably like a year stretch we'd go to movies twice a week and just like catch two or something like that in the late afternoon and just like into the evening or something and call it a night but uh yeah we watched that one five times it was awesome it's still awesome i haven't seen it in a very long time but uh but anyway it's not sports related but just uh probably my most uh you know non-applause but still like kind of obsessive uh movie movie moment i'd say yeah no that's a that's a great movie for sure uh yeah i mean definitely now these days like for me at least that's probably not a movie i would watch five times in the theater (laughs) but still a very but that's that's a movie i'll watch on like netflix like you know several times here and there whatever but it's such an interesting movie to like dissect and go over there um that whole coin and everything what he does it's like is is this guy two-faced is he trying to be two-faced did they steal that like (laughs) did the coen brothers pick that from two-faced or whatever Cause that's what I thought, uh, and then, then that <laughs> that whole like cattle gun too—that's wild. Like, I had, yeah. like, th- this is a thing. Like I had no idea this was a thing. Um, there's a lot but, of gray area too. So like a lot of people don't. There's a lot of people that don't like the movie because they 
they they think it like doesn't have a like a strong ending or like a clear ending or anything like that. And I kind of like movies where it really bleeds into like a lot of gray area. You just like you yeah. kind of decide what the outcomes were and you kind of decide where the where the storyline goes after you know they take it off air. But like what do you think? Yeah, happens? just a really good like really good thinking movie and good suspense and uh kind of put like Harvey Javier Barden on the on the map and uh yeah yeah it was it was fun to watch but uh what do you think happened at the end? Man, I like <laughs> a lot of people died, so it's like I just figured like all the main characters died and he just like got away. Like that's yeah, that's where my head goes with everything. But like yeah, I uh, like part of it's like you know, did the hero you know did, win did, at did, the end? Did he like take him out? Like possibly? Yeah. Did did, did did do you think that he killed her at the end and everything? Did he, when he left? Because I, I think they left it kind of ambiguous, right? Yeah, I thought they were at a like a motel, like a rundown motel, kind of trying to, like, oh, man, it's been a while, but like, you know, hold down Ford or whatever, like with Javier Barden coming through, and like I just I feel like Javier Barden just like took everybody out and just like continued mm. his his reign of terror, like such a good character, so uh, yeah, just like so uh, calculating and just witty and um, yeah. You know, pretty good at his craft. So, um, yeah, but yeah, but, but I, fun to watch. I I think there's a, this whole idea. It's like we respect a man that is really great at their craft. You know, like Dexter and all that. Even if he kills a bunch of people, <laughs> we respect him. He's really good at it. He's really good at it. You know, like yeah, chopping up people and you know, killing them and everything. He's really talented <laughs> in that. You know, um, it, it is it is pretty interesting. It it it, it kind of goes to the whole like you know uh, this whole uh, subculture of like women watching uh, uh, people like getting killed on Netflix right like murder <laughs> murder uh, mysteries and all that it's like you know how wh wh why are women always watching other women getting killed in in these uh, these Netflix shows I feel like it's a little it's like all right you're, it, that's that's an interesting thing there um, but yeah you know movies in general I think. Uh, it, it, they're a very uh they touch a different a lot of different parts i think in humanity for sure so yeah and, and shout shout out to true crime series and all those uh dark docuseries i'm like all in, all about them i i love piecing the other the clues and like trying to figure out how this thing like went down and then you know it could be like a surveillance camera reveals like the tragedy or something else or like you know there's always some some angle to it and i think like netflix and you know, some of these other uh, providers are doing a good job at like posting this kind of content for those that are, you know, craving it or whatever. But uh, yeah, we're in a weird era right now with uh, with how we consume and what we want to watch. But uh, yeah, we need to get some more, you know, classic sports movies back out there because, you know, even like in reviewing what we were just talking about, like a lot of what we we're talking about is like 90s era or, or, or so. And it's like mm -hmm. there haven't been like consistently good new sports movies and you know it's frustrating for that sake i feel like everything nowadays is like you know reinventing like a classic you know and in turn like instead of just creating a classic it's just okay what was big what sold a lot and like how can we run out a new rendition of it you know yeah they need like an every given uh every given sunday like for basketball or baseball or something like that just like raw uncut hey lebron that's your next thing um, just like going all crazy like that. I feel like that would be, um, I feel like that's, I feel like that's needed. If, if I'm a producer, that's what I would do.
Uh, well, is, if he's the owner of the Las Vegas and whatever's, he's going to be living any given Sunday every every day. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm hearing yeah. like what, like Las Vegas, what blackjacks? I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what are some like other ones? I, I think the lights. I think lights would be kind of cool. Like yeah. you got the nights. You'd have the the lights. Like just Las Vegas. It's like bright. It's you know something with anything with poker or anything with like you know as long as it's not like towing a line of like this is gambling like I, I do think like anything you could draw from poker or anything you could draw from like a deck of cards would be super cool yeah no i get it no for sure i mean i, I would just i mean to heck with it, i would just embrace it you know <laughs> let's go for it i mean they're they're, ta- they're cool. talking about it like in the promos for like all these like podcasts or or series anyways and like giving odds and the the bottom lines for um the, the tickers on espn so i'm like just embrace it like just go for it who cares nobody nobody cares anymore we survived a pandemic or you know it's kind of no it's still kind of going all that we we we, we we've gone through a pandemic we deserve a a uh a team that just says to hell with it this is what we are all about you know no yeah. no more la lakers when there's really not that many lakes in la you know <laughs> like let's just go with uh you know unapologetically this is what we're all about you know yeah so. just call them the sin city swindlers you know It'd be like <laughs> perfect you're, you're all set like did just... you come up with that oh that was pretty good dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> i, I want to do something with sin city but like yeah yeah i mean you fill in the blank you got you got sharks you got bookies you got strippers you got drug dealers you got all sorts of things in las vegas it's like i mean could you imagine the cheerleaders in, uh, in las vegas <laughs> Man, maybe just like you know, create a facility. I, I don't know. It, it, it could go on tangents, but uh, they'll be getting like their own OnlyFans accounts, like on their backs or whatever. Just like saying, like you know, here's yeah. a QR code if you want to go to my OnlyFans account. Yeah, if, if they make Space Jam three, <laughs> they're not going to invite LeBron back if he does that. So. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be very entertaining, and I'm sure it'd be an amazing fan uh, experience. Oh yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking forward yeah. to with that yeah <laughs> but like solid episode in terms of uh you know coverage and uh i think yeah. a lot to think about in terms of what's happening with nba this this like final series and and just just like talking about content like uh you know where where it can go and just kind of reflecting on some of our favorite you know media that's revolved you know revolving around sports so more of it yeah. better and you know Definitely, definitely want to cover these kinds of uh, topics again sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, for all those listening out there, let us know. Uh, yeah, what are your favorite uh, sports video games, sports movies out there? Uh, yeah, what do you think about the NBA Finals? Who do you think is going to win? Do you think the Warriors going to take it? Game six or Warriors a game seven? Or hey, maybe you're a Celtics fan. Think we're all uh, BSing here. So. Let us know all about that. Uh, feel free to tweet at us. Some very nice messages, I'm sure, or DM us, or send us some uh, 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 things on Instagram there, or, or you know, comment on YouTube. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, with all that, uh, this is uh, Wayne Pua, and there's Patrick Miller over there signing off. Uh, this, ball, this is the Ball and Breakfast Club, or Ball and Breakfast, Ball and Breakfast Podcast, I should say. I mean, the Breakfast Club is pretty cool too. Uh, you know, shout out to Charlemagne. So, yeah, great, great movie. But yeah, great movie. <laughs> and another movie. Yeah, there we go. They haven't seen Chicago side too. So, all right, thank you all.